good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Our series right now is Contagious, um, and we're looking at the movement of Jesus' love and transformation and how that can become contagious here in Tampa and beyond and what role we at Horizon have in this contagious movement of God. If any of you like me may have been wondering this week, does Horizon really believe that this message is contagious? We do. And I'm telling you this because I asked this very question, like, do these people really believe that this message of Jesus' love and light, is it actually contagious? And I'm sitting in a young adult dinner that we hosted on Thursday night at the Orlo House, and I'm getting ready to lead a devotion, and a text message comes through on my phone, and a guy who's just a stage ahead of those young adults um, in our church sent me a text message, and he said, don't charge those young adults the $10 you planned on charging them for dinner. I'm covering the cost for dinner. I'm so excited our church is investing in the lives of the next generation. And so thank you to all of you who who do big and small things to keep this contagious love of Jesus um, going throughout throughout Tampa. So this week, um, since we're in a series about contagious, I thought I would find out what the top eight most contagious behaviors are in the world. Um, Anybody ever wonder that question? (laughs) Um, The eighth top most contagious behavior is shivering. So this is really cool. Um, Scientists discovered that if you see someone else shiver, it actually lowers your internal body temperature. So anybody who thinks we're not connected as human beings, you just see someone else shiver and your body temperature drops. That's crazy, right? Um, So it's the eighth most contagious behavior. The seventh most contagious behavior is smiling. So when you see someone else smile, there are neurons, I think I'm saying that word right, there are neurons in your brain that trigger the muscles in your face to smile. So when you see someone else smile, you unconsciously, like without much control, also start smiling. That's a good thing to be contagious, right, smiling. Um, The sixth top um, most contagious behavior is actually risky behavior. Has anyone ever heard or said, if your friend jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? (laughs) Um, You actually are more likely to do that um, because risky behavior is actually contagious. I may know this to be true. Um, I may have dated a guy in high school who jumped off a bridge into some water, um, and my mother said that exact same thing to me. (laughs) Um, Anyway, you are more likely to take risks if the people around you are taking risks. Um, And I think in a world that needs a little more light and a little more hope and a little more love. We have no choice, right, except to share, um, except to let risky behavior be contagious. Like, let's start to take some risks together. The fifth most contagious behavior is actually rudeness. This one made me a little sad. So a new study showed that rudeness is contagious um, in the workplace. So um, if... If you see someone be rude, you also, um, in your workplace, you will also become rude. The the fourth most uh, contagious behavior is anxiety. Anybody ever been to the mall at Christmas time? Like, we know know this to be contagious, right? Um, Anxiety is contagious. The third, this is exciting, the third most contagious behavior is happiness. A Harvard professor has been looking at happiness and determined that it's actually contagious. Like, you don't even have to speak or know your next-door neighbor, but if they're happy, it likely means that you are more happy. Um, One of the biggest studies on Facebook also found that the positive
positive and happy um, posts are shared twice as much, commented on twice as much, and liked twice as much. There are days I don't believe this, but it's true. Um, The second most contagious behavior is laughter. (laughs) And that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, you don't even have to know the joke, but when you or someone else laugh, you don't even have to be in on the joke. When you hear someone else laugh, it triggers, it's just, it's similar to the uh, smiling. It triggers the neurons in your brain, and you also have a good laugh. But the most contagious behavior in the world is yawning. Yes, it makes, like, do not start yawning out there. You people know this. In fact, like, just, like, I'm, like, trying to fight back a yawn right now. Just mentioning it, like, like makes your body want to yawn. So I was reading this this week, and I was like, why is yawning the most contagious human behavior? Like, I looked at this and thought, we do not live in a boring and tired and exhausted world. We live in a world that's, that's just full of beauty and happiness and a million things to be joyful about. Why in the world is yawning the most contagious behavior? So you have one homework assignment. I'm, get it, I'm giving it to you um, top here. What if shining light, igniting change, being happy and joyful, what if those things were contagious and not yawning? What if we actually got excited about the lives that we were living and didn't pretend like it was some bland porridge that no one wants to eat? Like, what if we were actually excited about life? So, the next time I look up the top eight most contagious behaviors, I want Horizon to be the reason that yawning is not in the top eight. Um, But let's be honest, right? When I first started talking about having fun, right, and recognizing fullness and beauty and joy in the world, most of you probably didn't associate that with church, did you? And, and I'm not sure why church is often associated with yawning, but I'm sure I also didn't have to make this connection for you, right? You probably made it the second that I started talking about yawning. We should put different behaviors in the world that are contagious for the world. What does it look like for our behaviors to be shining light and igniting change, not keeping on doing things that mean life is boring and not fun? So I thought we could look at one of the stories of Jesus that's actually a lot of fun. It's about when he, um, his friends saw him after he rose from the dead. It's a little long, so if you'll just bear with me, it's several verses, but it's a fun story. So I think you might like it. Um, I'm going to read it from the screen if that light is bothering you. Uh, John 21, verses 1 through 3. On that same day, two disciples were traveling. No, this isn't the verse. Here, I'll read it from my Bible. Sorry. Can we turn that light down just a little bit? I'm sorry. I can't can't see. Um, Later, Jesus himself appeared again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. This is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, so they called Thomas by his last name, so they didn't call him Thomas, they called him Didymus. Anybody have a friend they call by their last name? My Chris does. He calls his tail, Tail. Um, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter told them, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go with you. So they sat out in a boat, but throughout the night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. And Jesus called to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? And they answered him, No. He said, Cast your nets on 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 the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they did, and there were so many fish that they couldn't haul in the nets. 
Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he wrapped his coat around himself, for he was naked, and jumped into the water. Y'all, that's funny. He was naked and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they weren't far from the shore, only about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter got up and pulled the net to shore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. Yet the net hadn't torn, even with so many fish. And Jesus said to them, come, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples could bring themselves to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than them? And Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. He asked it a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was sad that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. There are five things that this story teaches us that helps us know how to fuel a contagious movement. First of all, these guys got together with their friends and they gave themselves permission to have fun. That's the very first thing they did. Life wasn't perfect. The circumstances in your life don't have to be perfect. But for these guys, what they knew they had to do when everything fell apart. Jesus had, had died, was crucified. They'd heard rumors of him being raised from the dead, but they didn't know that it was true yet. And they're not really sure what all is going on. But whatever was going on, Peter was over it. He was like, I'm done with dealing with all this, and I'm going fishing. His friend said, you're not going fishing alone. We're going with you. Here's the deal. Your life's work needs to be contagious. You all are doing important and amazing things. It's changing folks' lives. And there are going to be days when you'll feel defeated. There are going to be days where you feel like you've lost it all. And you know what we need? We need some people who will look at us and say, let's go fishing together. Let's go for a walk together. Let's go for a run together. Let's go for lunch together. We need each other. It doesn't matter how awesome your ideas are or how awesome things things seem to be going. There are going to be low days, and when you hit them, you need some friends who will come alongside you and give you permission to have fun, even when things don't seem like they're going great. If right now things aren't going real great in your life, God gave us each other so that we can help each other have fun in the hard seasons of life. You can give yourself permission to have fun. It's okay to smile and have fun with your friends and get together, even if life isn't so great. Apparently, that is exactly what Peter did. For some reason, he was fishing naked on a boat with his friends. That's a little weird. I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. Um, I'm sorry that I didn't put the scripture up. Now y'all don't believe me. If you go home, it's in the Bible. Um, But this is the rock. Peter is the rock on which God built the church. 
God used Peter to do incredible things. And he was just like us. When life got tough, he did what Jesus had called him to do. He sought after the people that he loved and that loved him, and they found something fun to do. No yawning should be allowed in church. These folks knew how to have fun. And Jesus was the ultimate permission giver to have fun. Even after he was gone, right, these guys who followed Jesus in his teaching knew what to do when life was really hard. They got together and they figured out some way to have fun. What, what does it look like for you to be a person who either gives yourself permission to have fun or gives other people permission to have fun? I'm not saying ignore the things in life that are dark and hard. I, that is not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you what does it look like if we give ourselves permission to have fun? This is what I found. It often puts things in perspective. It allows a spark of joy or hope to intrude in the darkness and hopelessness, and we can begin to see God's light and hope again. So get together with your friends and have fun. When things are going good, get together with your friends and have fun. When things aren't going good, it's okay to get together with your friends and have fun. And you might be like these guys, and in the midst of having fun, it doesn't work out exactly like you thought it was going to. These guys were fishing, and they were trying to catch some fish, and this somebody yells from the shore, hey, are you catching any fish? And they, they were like, no, we're not. And Jesus says, try the other side of the boat. <laughs> um, sometimes, Jesus, you are going to feel a nudge to pivot. Listen when God says pivot. Just change directions just a little bit. These guys were out fishing uh, on the sea all day, and they weren't catching anything, right? Their nets were empty. And some guy who happened to be Jesus, but they didn't know it was Jesus yet, he yells out to them, hey, children, have you caught anything to eat? And they're like, no. Um, if you're wondering if I think Jesus was taunting and mocking them a bit, I do think he was, like, poking fun at them. And he's like, try the other side of the boat. And they put their um, nets on the other side of the boat, and then they start catching fish like crazy. And here's the thing. I don't know if y'all have ever been fishing in a group of people. I've been fishing a couple times. And when somebody on one side of the boat is catching fish, what do, what do I do? I go and stand right beside them because I want fish too. And so I'm, I'm telling you that in this contagious movement of Jesus, when you pivot, when God says pivot, right? And it might be a nudge. They didn't know it was Jesus who said, put your net on the other side of the boat. But maybe in your life right now, you feel like you're being nudged towards some kind of pivot. You're not exactly sure if it's God asking you to maybe cast your net on some other side of the boat or maybe do something just a little bit different. But, but pay attention to those nudges and be open to God saying pivot and do it. And then these guys catch all these fish on the other side of the boat, right? Like what is it? That's contagious. Folks want to be around places where things are going well, where the nets are full and there's plenty to eat. What does this look like in your own life? I'm just saying, like, if God asks you to pivot, it may not mean that you come back with nets full of fish. It may not even mean that your wallet comes back with more money in it. But what does it look like to pivot just a little bit so your heart is full, so your purpose is full? Those are the kinds of things that are contagious. People are longing to be around people who are enjoying life and feel full and have purpose. Those are the kinds of nets that people want to be around. Imagine what God may have for you if you just take that extra step to pivot. Are your nets full? If they aren't, is God nudging you to pivot just a bit? And you don't have to be the, the bubbliest person, right? You don't have to be like, there's a bunch of fish in my net. 
That's what I would be like. But you don't have to be like that to still be excited about what God is doing in your life. And people will catch this excitement. You, Chris is the exact opposite of me, and I still love to be around him when he's excited because people want to be around folks who are excited. So if we want this movement of Jesus to be contagious, if we want shining light and igniting change and changing the world to be contagious, we have got to get excited about what it is that God is doing. My favorite part of this story is when Peter finds out that it's the risen Lord. He's not seen him since he denied him for the third time. And Peter wraps a coat around himself because he's, he's naked. And he jumps in the water and swims like crazy to Jesus. Like, I love that image. Like, he's just so very excited about getting to the risen Christ. And all week long, seeing this image, I've, I feel like God has been asking me a question. Are you that excited to see the risen, the risen Christ at work in the world? Are you willing to jump off a boat, just wrap yourself up in a coat, leave your dignity and everything else behind and just swim as hard as you can and get excited about the work of the risen Christ? Some of you in this room have said yes to that. When the Heart Gallery came and told us that, that they spend their time and their money helping foster kids have birthday parties and experiences that they wouldn't have otherwise, you all gave your money to, to, to them at Christmas. You got excited about the work of the risen Christ doing something new and loving and light in the world, right? When, when we hear there are people who are hungry and don't have enough to eat, we gather and we make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and we get excited about it. We invite our friends to come and be a part of it. What, what does it look like? Thank you so much. <laughs> um, some of you have had, um, some of you have had experiences where you're, Experiencing addiction or other kinds of darkness. What, what, when, how are we getting excited when we see God start to move people from that place in their life to more fullness and, and joy? What does it look like for us to be so excited about the ways the risen Christ is at work in the world that we're willing to just jump in the water and swim as hard as we can and be excited about it? It's great to be excited, right? It is awesome to be excited and have energy about the work that God is doing, but it's not going to last forever. You, we just aren't, we aren't built to be people who are just expending excited energy all the time. At some point in time, you're going to have to calm down and take a deep breath, right? And Jesus, Peter jumps in the water at, and swims as hard as he could after Jesus, and Jesus is standing there. And I've swam, uh, it says he probably swam about 100 yards. I've swam 100 yards before, and the lifeguard thought she was going to have to save my life. So you're winded after you've swam a while. Some triathlon folks in here know, know this to be true. And when, they, when Peter gets to the shore all, all winded and exhausted, Jesus says, hey, Peter, sit down and have some breakfast with me. Sit down and have some grilled fish and some bread. Let's talk for a minute. Let's be still and quiet. Let's have some rest. People who are contagiously shining light and igniting change still need a moment to rest, to be still, to be quiet, to build a relationship with God. What does it look like for you to get up and have breakfast with Jesus? What if when your alarm goes off in the morning, you who are winded and exhausted and tired, I, I know I'm living a life similar to most of, many of you. What does it look like instead of hitting the floor and grinding just a little bit harder that day, what does it look like to just take five minutes and spend some time with Jesus. Read a scripture in the Bible. Take a minute to pray or to journal. What does it look like for you 
to have breakfast with Jesus. I believe that if we take these moments to do this, this will actually help our movement become even more contagious because it'll be sustainable. It is not sustainable to run a million miles a minute, a hundred miles an hour, whatever. Like it just that's not sustainable. We need moments where we sit down and we're still and we're quiet and we experience the rest and love that Jesus has for us. What does it look like this this week for a couple mornings this week for you just to get up maybe five minutes earlier or just take five extra minutes in your morning to sit still and have breakfast with Jesus? And finally, when you sit down and you have breakfast with Jesus, I think you're going to hear Jesus say that he loves you. And he's also, in that moment, when he's talking to Peter, he says what? Feed my lambs care for my sheep, feed my sheep. If you're going to be eating breakfast with Jesus, if you're going to be all into this this contagious and exciting movement of Jesus, you are going to have to love Jesus, but you're also going to have to love people. I told you that my favorite part of this story is when Peter like jumps in just full force and swims as hard as he can after Jesus. I just absolutely love that image. But my actual favorite part of this story, I realized later this week, is when Jesus looks at Peter and says to him three times, the last time Peter saw Jesus, the last time Peter looked in Jesus' eyes, he was denying him right before he was crucified. He was denying that he knew him or had anything to do with him. I do not think it's an accident that Jesus looks Peter in the face and asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? And Peter got to say, yes, Jesus, I love you. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Jesus, I love you, and you'll feed my lambs, you'll care for my sheep, not some of them, not the ones you want to, feed all of them, care for all of them. We serve a God who gives us a second chance, right? I, I imagined this week as I read that, that part of the story, God just taking the weight and the burden. Like, I can't imagine what Peter was living with for that week waiting for Jesus to come, and the last thing that he had done to Jesus was deny that he even knew him. And he comes back, and he looks him right in the face, and he says, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, I I finally get a chance to say I love you three times, even though you watched me mess it up three times. What does it look like this week for you to just let some of that weight, some of those burdens of the things maybe you've done wrong or not done right in your life, what does it look like for you to give it up to Jesus? What does it look like for you to hear, I love you from God? And it's never just, I love you, right? God's love always propels us into moving forward. God's love always asks us to do something, right? We, we get it, we receive it, but then God says to Peter, then feed my lambs, care for my sheep, feed my sheep. This movement became contagious because that kind of stuff is contagious when we are out of our mind wildly excited about what it is God is doing people get excited about it and when we say in a world that's moving entirely too fast we also serve a God who just wants us to sit with him and experience his peace and his love you are my peace right and then when we take a moment to serve others to feed God's sheep to care for God's lambs. This, this is what becomes contagious in the world. Y'all, I'm, I couldn't be more excited to 
be a pastor of a bunch of people who think this movement is contagious. He takes for real this this message that we need to shine light and ignite change in this world. I was going to end with a story about a friend of mine in Nashville who who took all these things really serious, but I decided what I, I didn't want to do this morning is waste your time telling you a story that we already know to be true, right? We already know God is doing this work all around us. And this is the most exciting part about being your pastor is I'm watching God write a story through each of you as we shine light and ignite change. So I'm not going to waste time up here this morning telling you another story about God doing it. Instead, we are going to get out of here a few minutes early, and there are 70 teachers at B.T. Washington Elementary School, a Title I elementary school in Ybor City. We have thank you notes, we can, and we have their names. We can write to them. Jamie Gurdy, thank you for what you do for the kids in Ybor City. Thank you for what you do to break cycles of poverty. Keep shining light and igniting change, and we're behind you and we're with you. And so we're going to take just a moment this morning at the end of the service to, to just write be a part of God writing the new story of the contagious things that God is doing in this world. And I want you to take a few moments this week. What is the contagious things that God is asking you to dive headfirst into and join God in doing? Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you're a God of second chances. And for all of us, who come here with all kinds of other burdens and weights, God, we just pray in this moment, I just pray for your people, God, that we can hear you say, I love you. And we pray, God, that you'll use us to continue this contagious movement that you started when you rose Christ from the dead, that you will use us to shine light and ignite change, that you'll use every person in this building, God, to feed your sheep and care for your lambs. We love you and we thank you.